Hey, it's Pastor Tim. Thank you for listening. I pray this message inspires you to live a life engaged in Jesus Christ. Welcome home. Um, happy Father's Day, everyone. Um, men, actually. Happy Father's Day. Oh, and single moms, happy Father's Day to you, too. And I um, am really excited. I am going to give this service a pre-warning because I didn't do that in the last service and it got awfully quiet (laughs) because I'm a mama with four boys and my boys know that when I am about to share with them something from God, I do not knock on the drawer. I kick it open. <laughs> I knock it down and I go, my husband says, man, you, you just go in with the Holy Spirit fire blazing in there, you know, you don't like ease into their conversation and they know it because, um, you know, we need men to rise up during this time. We need kingdom men to rise up. And so that is the message today. I just feel that I'm in this, on this assignment to the body of Christ at this time. Uh, First, it was a call to the daughters who are the garment makers in here. Can I see you guys this morning? Because I know I have some garment makers in here. And now I'm enlisting the sons of God to become kingdom men and to let them know why they matter. We are living in a time when the importance of men has been downgraded, has been reduced, and in some places totally removed. Where men are being told they aren't needed in the home, that they aren't even worthy of being fathers and raising their children. Where appropriate masculinity has gone unappreciated and undervalued. Where we have to start asking ourselves now, are we making our males men? Or are we just limiting them to simply their biology? Well, just like God called his daughters on Mother's Day to rise up, he is now calling his sons on this Father's Day to rise to a whole new level. The whole future of civilization will be keyed into fulfilling your God-designed, God-created, God-given role as a father, but more importantly, as a kingdom man. So it's time to rise up because when God's men rise up, things start to change. But when men fail to rise up, as the Bible makes it clear, things will disintegrate. I want to shine this spotlight on an area that many of us probably deal with. But for some reason, for men, it's a little bit more low-key. You know that thought of, oh, so shame, so shame. When you're told to do something right, when you're a teenage male and then your friends are like, oh, so shame, why you do that for? So shame, you know, but it's every, it's something that we all go through, we all struggle with in our life. And the truth is that the enemy has come to put shame on all of us. But I'm here to where the enemy for the devil has decreed shame on you, 
I'm here to declare shame off of you in Jesus' name. But in order to know where this origin of shame came from, we must go back to the beginning. Because every destructive pattern in your life has a starting point. And unfortunately, many of it is originated because we don't know who we are in Christ. So turn with me to Genesis 2.25 to see an important point that God shares. It says, Now the man Adam and his wife were both naked, yet felt no shame. They felt no shame. It doesn't say that they felt no joy, or they felt no peace, or they felt no depression, or they felt no anger or bitterness. It doesn't say that. It says they felt no what? Shame. It's interesting. Out of all the words that God could have used, he used the word shame. You know, and it makes me think, like, what does this mean? What is God trying to tell us? God is trying to show us and wants us to know that before we go on to the chapter of the fall, that this was the final thing that he wants us to know. That when he made us, he made us to feel no shame. Could you imagine what it would be like if you felt no shame you know, it's all around us. I mean, for us women, if we go on to Pinterest, it's, oh, look at that person's house. The Pinterest house, they call it. And you look at your house and then you're like, oh, man, I am such a terrible housekeeper. <laughs> you know, and then for men, when you walk past those bodybuilding magazines, you know, I mean, I don't know about Cray, but, you know, maybe for some other men, when you walk past by the bodybuilding magazines, and you see this buff dude, and here you are working out, lifting weights, and then you're nowhere near that buff dude in the magazine. And you're like, man, maybe I'm not made to be that buff, you know, because there's nothing. Like, there's this shame all around us, and it continues to pile on us, you know. And the world just wants to keep putting shame on us. So we get this sense of, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I will never, ever measure up. And God is saying in Genesis 2, hey, hey you, I need to take you back to the beginning because you need to know that I made you to be more than enough. In fact, me and you is more than enough. Christ in you is more than enough. And I'm here to tell you on this Father's Day that our Father is more than pleased with you. That he is not mad at you. He is totally mad about you. Totally. He has made you mighty and filled you with talent and to be fruitful in this generation. But there is an enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy your future. And day and night, he tells you you're not good enough. He tells you that you're a failure. Sometimes that voice that keeps on telling you that, it sounds just like you. Some teacher may have told you that, oh man, you're so dumb. A parent may have told you, oh, I wish you was never born. Someone hurt you. Someone abused you. Someone shamed you. Someone violated you. 
don't get me wrong. Men get abused. Men get hurt. Men get violated too. And the shame just keeps on piling on you. And you start to believe that maybe, maybe everyone's right. Maybe I'm not worth anyone's time. And that's why God put it there in the beginning. They felt no shame to remind you that you, you are enough. You are worth it. You see, the devil wants shame upon us because he doesn't want us to run to God. He wants us to run away from God. Shame will cause you to lie to yourself. Shame will cause you to develop addictions. Shame will cause you to develop destructive behavior. It will cause you to be on this never-ending treadmill of trying to prove someone wrong who probably isn't even alive anymore, but you swore to yourself, one day, one day I'll prove them wrong. One day I'll show them. And you begin going around wreaking havoc. And that's, that's got to stop. The root of the problem is shame. And today we are going to go back to what God intended for you. That you live a shame-free life. And that you flourish. And that you be the men of God the kingdom men that he has called you to be so that you can start doing what God's calling you to do and be who he called you to be and start being the light in the midst of the darkness that's surrounding your family, that's surrounding your church, and that's surrounding this world right now. As we continue on, it says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of the wild animals that the Lord God made. He said to the woman, did God really say that? Let me stop right here. Here lies the root of everything. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? Let me tell you something. If you don't really know what God really said, you will believe what the enemy is going to say. If you don't know what God really said, you will believe the lies that are spoken over your life. You will believe that the lies that bombard you every single day, whether it's on TV, whether it's on internet, on social media, with your boss, with your coworkers, every single day you will believe those lies if you do not know the truth of what God really says. Did God really say that you can't eat from the, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, now, we don't always need to have a conversation with somebody, especially when it's the devil. That is when you need to just put up your hand and say, mm, talk to the hand because I am not listening. You need to shut that conversation down right away because as it says, what did it say about the serpent? He's the most cunning of them all, and you continue on that conversation, he will get you. So she says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Now, the enemy got her because he's going to undermine God, saying, no, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. Do you hear that sometimes? 
when you're told to do something right, and then you hear that voice that sounds like you, no, you certainly will not die. See, the devil tries to undermine the character of God to you. He would try to say, God really didn't say that. And if he did say that, you know why? It's because he wants you to miss out. You know why he doesn't want you to be in an ungodly relationship? Because he wants you to miss out. You know why he doesn't want you to cheat at work? He wants you to miss out on that promotion. That's why. You know why, kids, he doesn't want you to cheat at school? Oh, because he wants you to miss out on that A. You know, he will undermine the character. He will undermine the nature of God. That's what he just does. And if you do not know God is a good God, you will believe he is a harsh God that wants to punish you. You will believe that he is a harsh God that wants to withhold from you. But when you know that God is a good God all the time and all the time. Oh, let me do that again. When God is a good God all the time and all the time. Then you will know that he is a loving father who loves you and who is not out to get you. But if you don't know that, then you will believe the lies. So you got to know what God said. So when the devil comes and says to you, did God really say that? You know how to counteract the enemy. You certainly will not die, said the serpent to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for attaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then Adam and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Adam, where are you? That's a call God is still doing for us today. Where are you? You see, they blew it and ran away from God, made fig leaves, and tried to hide from him. And that's what we do today. Many of us, I know I for one, have done that. When I mess up and I blow it, I try to hide. But instead of running to God, we run away. And we see the first thing God speaks to his creation is, where are you? There is a struggle of manhood today that has incited chaos in every area of our lives. And the reality of it all, the decline in marriages, the decline in churches, the decline of culture has to do with the absence of Adam. Adam, where are you? Men not being in their God-ordained space. We see it throughout the Bible. Ezekiel 22:30 is a perfect example of, I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might not destroy it. But I found no one. Plenty of males. 
but he couldn't find a man. Jeremiah 5, same thing. Looked for a man among all the males, and they couldn't find one, which means it is possible to be a male, but not a man. The question I have for you today, men, is where are you? Are you hiding because of shame? Because you may have fallen in the lie put on you and you blew it. And now you may be presently here, but deep inside you're hiding from God, trying to cover up with fig leaves. Where are you? We see a culture in chaos, in decline, and getting ready for judgment. In Genesis 18, it's Sodom and Gomorrah. There was so much ugliness going on, and I'm pretty sure it's close to the ugliness that we see today. That God looked down and he saw the outcry, the evil decline of the culture, and he was preparing to judge it. And in the vicinity of Sodom and Gomorrah was a man named Abraham. I was going to tell you what it says in verse 19, but I want you to turn in verse 18. And I'm going to read from verse 16. Then God got up from there and looked out over Sodom. And Abraham was walking with them to see them off. Then the Lord said, should I hide what I am about to do from Abraham? Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him. I have chosen him. I found me a man. In the midst of the decaying culture, I found a man. I've selected him. I've chosen him for a purpose. We are in a decaying culture right now, and God has chosen you men. He has selected you for a purpose, and he can't do what he wants to do with you if Adam is unlocatable, if you are hiding. You need to understand that you have a divinely orchestrated reason for your manhood. When you accept the purpose of God and you accept Jesus as your, as your personal Savior, you are drafted into the purpose of God. But unfortunately, many men who go to church don't even care to know the purpose of God and therefore live distracted in the purpose of culture, in the purpose of their own desires, and in what you learn from somebody who didn't even have God at the center of their own purpose. Before the fall, Adam knew what he was supposed to do. God gave him instructions and a purpose, and Adam walked with God in the cool of the day before he rebelled against God. God could tell Adam all his plans and what he was up to. And God wants to do the same for you today. The problem is, Many of you are not walking with God in the cool of the day. You just visit on Sabbaths. God has a purpose for each and every one of you that he doesn't want to hide it from you. That's why he didn't hide the plans of Sodom and Gomorrah from Abraham. You have a divine design for God's glory and his expansion of his kingdom. It's in you. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, In the heart of every man is a purpose, but the man must draw it out. In other words, God has given you a reason for being in seed form, but you got to grow it. And you can only grow it in pursuit and relationship 
with Christ. It doesn't come because you got a good education or you got a degree or you own your own business. It came because Adam was in sync with God. It came to Abraham because he was in sync with God as a way of life and not as a visit. Far too many men are living without a divine purpose. They can talk about their career, they can talk about their business goals, they can talk about their finances, but when you ask them, what is God's purpose for you? They get all quiet, kind of like how it is right now. Because they spent all their time in school or all their time at a job, but none of their time in the kingdom. Kingdom men, where are you? What's holding you back? After God called out to Adam, where are you? Adam replied, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God asked him, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you weren't enough? Who told you that you wouldn't measure up? Who told you that you couldn't be a good father? Who told you that you were broken? Who told you that, men? And then we see the blame game happen. What I like to say, see what you made me do? <laughs> Adam says, well, God, it's the woman that you gave me. For me, have you ever been in a, in a home when one of your friends said something stupid to their parent <laughs> and you yourself wanted to bury yourself? <laughs> you know, that is some big, you know what, that Adam had in order to tell God, well, it was your fault. But it's kind of like what we do throughout our life. There's this blame game that goes on. Well, it was your fault I'm the way that I am. I will tell you what I tell my kids anytime that they start blaming each other. And, you know, I have one that that's his famous line. See what you made me do. Oh, see what you made me do. You have a choice. You have a choice to continue on blaming others for what they so-called made you do or how they made you become. You can continue on living in those lies or... You can stop it, you can change, you can turn around, and you can tell that enemy, tell that devil, well, you know what my daddy says? My daddy says I'm a great father. My daddy says I am so worth it. My daddy says I'm of value. My daddy says because I am a kingdom man, who will not let what happened my yesterday continue on into my tomorrow. I will not let it determine how I will raise my children. I will not let it determine how I treat my wife. I will not let them be a product of a lost generation of abandoned men, men who can tell everything about football and nothing about scripture, men who can quote statistics, but can't quote a verse. Men who never miss a practice or a game, but can't get their kids up to go to church. Our world, your family, 
needs a man, a kingdom man, to rise up, to stop hiding, to stop listening to what the enemy says, and to know what his daddy says. We need you to start showing up. We need kingdom men who are going to teach our sons what it means to be a gentleman and how to treat a woman. Because the songs that they listen to nowadays and the things that they are probably watching aren't teaching them that. We need kingdom men to show our daughters how they are supposed to be treated because they see you treating your wife, their mother, like the queen that she is. We need kingdom men to bear the weight and burdens that his family may encounter and not just bench press the weights in the gym and be wimpy with the decisions they need to be made. We need kingdom men who wants to be great by winning God's way, who submit to God's authority, who show up when God calls you. Where are you? And you stand in the presence of God with your head held up and not hung in shame. And you tell him, Lord, your kingdom man is here. I am here. Because you know what your father says about you. You know who you are and whose you are. You know you are chosen to be a mighty warrior. You are a son. You are a beloved. You know that you have a purpose. And just like Abraham had a purpose, it comes with a promise. You know that just like Adam, you too have been redeemed. And like Abraham, you will become a great and powerful nation that through you all will be blessed. Your children and their children's children. That through you the house and their house will keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Because you have taught your sons how to become a kingdom man. Because you yourself chose to be a kingdom man for God's standard, for God's glory. You chose to be the man of your house and influence your realm. You chose to enlist yourself into God's army to fulfill the role of his kingdom. Because you know that's what he called you to do. That he called you to a post of responsibility under his leadership to be an impact influencer, to face opposition, to face challenges, and to overcome them so that God's purpose can be fulfilled. Kingdom men, you have been drafted. You are no longer to be sitting in the stands or on the sidelines. God is calling you to get in the game so that he can bring healing to a nation and a culture that's in crisis. Leave your shame at the door. Leave your pride at the door. Leave your ego at the door because it ain't welcome here anymore. And make the decision as God's men, God's kingdom man, to accept the call to be on his team to play for keeps, and to play to win. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support this ministry with your time, treasure, or talent, please visit our website at kaneohesda.org. Have a blessed rest of your day.